Uh, so hi everyone, it's uh, Dean Charlton from Consultia on our global podcast and today I've got the pleasure of introducing Edward Bissonou who is the CISO and veteran uh, of cybersecurity over at CEC Bank in Romania. So Edward, I just wanted to uh, kind of let you introduce yourself uh, before we kind of look into a couple of the questions, that's okay? Okay Dean, so first of all thank you very much for having me today here. Let's uh, try to say a couple of things about me. Uh, you, you called me a veteran. Yes, I, I kind of am a veteran. Uh, I am in this field of cybersecurity for 20 years. I used to work for uh, many years, sometimes uh, in my thoughts, too many years for the government. Uh, and after I, I closed the contract with the government, uh, I started uh, a career in the, in the private sector. Uh, I was in charge with security in the financial sector. Uh, this is actually the second bank I am uh, working with uh, on the same position. I, I uh, work for a, a big four company as a senior consultant in cybersecurity. And I, I had the opportunity to work also for, for Microsoft as a national technology officer in Romania for a year and a half. So uh, I. I say that I can say that uh, uh, before joining this bank, I, I, I was doing a lot of things in the cybersecurity field. So, uh, and I think something specifically because we are talking about Romania, uh, you heard a lot of story, I think about Eastern Europe and uh, how good we are at hacking and things like this. So I don't know how good we are, but we are prolific. Uh, and I, I had, yeah. I had the opportunity to confront this reality in uh, in uh, its early days. I think uh, 20, 15 years ago, uh, it was a kind of uh, not uh, wild west, but wild east, uh, and uh, the most the, the most targeted, let's say, uh, the most targeted uh, asset uh, was the money. Uh, and uh, they wanted to to get money out of the pocket of uh, of rich countries. Uh, so I was here from the beginning. The beginning meaning that uh, uh, before having even having the law, and uh, you should know that. It, for example, in Romania, uh, we were one of the first countries in the world uh, putting in place uh, legislation for fighting cybercrime, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I cannot say we we are good at many things, but in this field we we had some some very good uh, results. So that's that's about my background. Uh, uh, I, I think it's enough in order to set the expectations. <laughs> yeah, excellent. No, and, and I think a good variety and vast knowledge of skills and and certainly kind of you know really good case examples of where cybersecurity almost uh, was birthed in the sense of uh kind of prevention uh, and governance so that's really good to kind of get some some insight off that so i suppose kind of if we move into our first question of of where we are in the world at the moment and during a pandemic and and people working remotely how have you kind of seen that the the effects of that on digital transformation and companies that are working fully remote that perhaps didn't in the past okay so uh, working remotely is not a new topic. Uh, so many years before the pandemic, a lot of organizations started programs uh, in 
you know, in different ways, uh, but uh, under this umbrella of digital transformations, uh, in, depending of the business, so let's say model and uh, uh, on the business sector, uh, those kind of, uh, you know, uh, reasons uh, why organization needed to uh, to put people to work remotely were different, but uh, let's 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 talk about the specificity of uh, uh, of this pandemic. Mm. Uh, there were some organizations that were not culturally ready for uh, working remotely, and also who were not at a level of uh, development in terms of investing the right amount of money in, the, in their own infrastructure or opening the eyes for the cloud, uh, which is actually the case in some parts of the world. I'm living in a part of the world where the cloud uh, in the sense of global cloud and public cloud is not uh, is not yet there. Uh, hopefully, this pandemic helped a little bit, uh, especially the decision makers to understand better what cloud is and uh, what is what cloud is good for. And I think in one year we have already we are already for one year in this situation uh, uh, helped a little bit to, to clarify the the benefits of using the cloud. Uh, but the specific of this pandemic, from my perspective and my personal experience, was to uh, to be able to put on the table uh, a, a clear business continuity plan, which includes working remotely as a measure in this business continuity uh, plan. You know, aside of uh, the legal, let's say, uh, restrictions imposed by the government, uh, lockdowns and things like this. We needed to be able to operate no matter what, okay? The main risk uh, during the pandemic was and still is uh, to uh, personal, to people, to employees' health. So the, the idea was to put all the people to work as remotely as possible. And this includes also the IT administration functions mm -hmm. and also the security operation, which is the most, I think, the most important thing. Uh, that change a little bit the game, uh, the game rules uh, in this period. So uh, before that, most of the organization had a kind of uh, hybrid scenarios where uh, some operations were uh, ensured remotely, some operations were done uh, by people who were still on premises. But now we had scenarios where all the people needed to work remotely, and that was was a, uh, a big challenge. And why is that? So most of the energies were, let's say, consumed towards ensuring, and all the people are talking about, you know, how we are protecting the, the way uh, of accessing the corporate or the enterprise environment, the enterprise infrastructure. But, okay, we had a lot of solutions to do so, VPNs and uh, other means of encrypting uh, communication or pro of protecting communications, but the the main uh, let's say the main effort was uh, in, for for me and for my team was in uh, in terms of ensuring the right visibility on security and also to be able to detect and respond to threats at the endpoint level. And yeah. when I mean when I mean endpoint, I mean everything, which is uh, an endpoint server, uh, um, uh, laptops, notebooks, 
mobile phones, no matter what kind of endpoints uh, uh, our employees had to use in order to uh, do their job remotely. So yeah. that was the main challenge. And uh, of course, this is not also something entirely new because before the pandemic, we had, uh, I think, at least two years of uh, very rapid growing of the uh, MSSPs. Uh, so we have a managed security services provider market growing already when the pandemic came. I think now a lot of those companies, and I saw uh, many new names in the in the in the last year, uh, uh, took benefit, if we can say like this, took benefit of of the situation, and uh, actually uh, uh, a lot of organizations have now the opportunity to you know, to uh, compensate the lack of re internal resources uh, with external ones. Uh, I think right now we can, we can discuss about uh, a kind of mature uh, managed detection and response or managed security service provider market uh, that we can choose from. Yeah. Uh, in my perspective, ensuring detection and response uh, fully remotely uh, was the main challenge, uh, and it's it's the main challenge for uh, all the security operations uh, yeah. across the globe. And, and I suppose kind of picking up from the the piece you're saying about the MSPs out there and and providing those skilled kind of headcount really for for security for those businesses. And I know we've discussed about kind of a lot of people say you know there's not enough cyber people in the world. You know, there's not there, but I think you see it kind of a bit differently about. Well, they're there, but I think we need to nurture that talent and and bring it in and, and, and look elsewhere. So, so how is this kind of uh, effective for yourself when you look at kind of bringing people onto your team or skilled professionals? How do you now go about finding those people uh, that apparently aren't there? What would be your viewpoint on that? Uh, yes, I have a kind of uh, different view on this topic. Uh, not denying the, the problem exists. So if if the market needs people and is not able to find it, of course the problem exists. But uh, I would approach, and I, I, I'm doing this for many years, I'm approaching this uh, workforce market in a different way. And uh, I used to consult and to recommend that to some uh, big human resources companies in, in the region. So uh, I, I will give an example. If we ask in all the uh, job descriptions uh, that we need certified people, and uh, I will give you the same, uh, let's say in this example, I will, I will tell you that um, I think the, the most, the, the cheapest certification, uh, recognized certification in the field, it's uh, still a few thousand euros. Mm. Yes, one certification. Usually, uh, the the employee, uh, uh, the organization that asking for many certifications, proving that you have the following skills. So, how how do you think that uh, a junior uh, and uh, uh, a person who didn't have the resources to attend the, uh, uh, a course or to take uh, a certification, which is kind of expensive? Uh, not only for this part of the world, but worldwide. How can this be? Uh, how can be this person able to 
to even qualify for an interview. And I think this this is uh, one of the biggest mistakes uh, done by the by the recruiting, let's say, uh, market. Other mistakes mistake it's were in my perspective related to the fact that uh, we are applying the human resources filter before the technical one. Mm -hmm. So we are eliminating a lot of potential valuable people before assessing their skills. And the third, not necessarily a mistake, it's a moral recommendation uh, and how I solve things. So I, before, you know, there are a lot of things that a person, a lot of skills valuable for cybersecurity field. Uh, if you have a team with different skills that need to be completed, you probably know the skills you are missing, but you probably don't. Mm. So uh, usually the first interview that I have with, uh, with, with when, I, when I'm looking for uh, skilled people in this field, uh, it's with me. So I'm the first filter. I'm the, I'm the one who is deciding uh, if a person is fitting my needs in terms of skills, not the human resources, not other people uh, coming from the compliance or from other department in, the, in this organization. And I, I use the same approach when recruiting for a big, very big uh, service uh, center for a big corporation, big tech corporation, uh, which is operating here in Romania. And you know what? Uh, at, at the end of the, uh, of the first term of evaluation, which was six months, uh, the conclusions were that uh, I've done a tremendous job, mm. you know? Uh, uh, and I will give you an indicator of, uh, of, the, uh, of the reason why the conclusion was I've done a tremendous job because before before that uh, let's say doing doing as i explained it uh, the people were started to complain about the lack of resources on the local market mm. after 6 months they had too many candidates hmm. too many candidates so uh, it it was easy to see that changing a little bit the approach uh, um, of course of course, if you are looking for top-notch uh, specialists, top-notch experts, mm -hmm. yes, I agree. The world is not full of such a people. Uh, and there are simple explanations also on that. Uh, as uh, I have mentioned a couple of minutes earlier, so this, this field is not 50 years old. It's yeah. not 100 years old. Uh, just, you know, is just for tens of years here. Uh, the academia and the uh, universities are just started for a couple of years to cover in a serious and deep way uh, the needs of training, uh, of uh, offering uh, uh, academic uh, uh, curricula for, for cybersecurity. Uh, we have these uh, uh, training uh, providers in the private sector but we have also the life, you know, uh, and, and this is something that the, uh, most of the people are not uh, understanding very well when I when I'm talking with them. But you know, I am when, when I say that, I I can also give an example related to my 
experience. So when we are talking about cybersecurity, usually we are opposing the other world, the, ba the bad guys. You know yeah. who the bad who the bad guys are. Ah, it's it's uh, uh, it's a uh, hard to 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 answer, hard to respond questions. But I can tell you a couple of things. They are not certified professionals. Most of them, they they didn't go to universities to 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 to, to learn cybersecurity. Most of them. Uh, and when I say that, uh, I say it from my experience. So mm. I didn't, I didn't meet many of them uh, uh, going to universities. And uh, what, what uh, are the factors that are making them to be successful? So we need to think. I, I don't say to to uh, to become uh, all of us to become criminals, but to understand a little bit the success on the other side, because we need to protect, to protect ourselves against them. And usually we are making use only of some specific and sometimes limited views on how to train and to grow skills on cybersecurity. Yeah. So I will give an example from uh, the organization I work from now. Uh, I found a almost totally untrained team of people here and in one year, I have a trained people. So uh, uh, instead of uh, acting as a, only as a manager, I have acted as a trainer for them. And I, I, I have obtained uh, a lot of great things with, with them. Yeah. And, and I guess that goes on to, as we were highlighting around that immersive training platforms. And, in, and we've talked in detail of, of kind of what best and, and how best to nurture those teams. So in your experience, is, is that how to kind of develop and create that, that next level of senior cyber professional by training those individuals, by giving them some uh, very full-on training prospects to immerse them into all different aspects um, and, and for them to grow in an organisation as opposed to another qualification or another qualification? Yes, I, uh, I, I. There are, of course, there are plenty of ways to train people, and there are people <clears throat> more more qualified than me to talk about that. But when when I'm talking only about uh, creating skills, I think I can discuss about that. I'm enough qualified uh, in order to to say that I have uh, lately identified one of the best ways to to create and to maintain and to develop skills to to people to mm -hmm. teams. A uh, couple of years ago, I had the, the opportunity to uh, cooperate with a, a very good friend of mine, which is a, a, a teacher, actually. He is one of the first people who uh, managed a master, an info, information security master in the UK. Uh, and he started to build the cyber range. Mm. Uh, at it's something similar what we, what you already mentioned. Immersive Labs is doing the same way. Uh, I will not go into details and differentiators between different platforms because there are already a lot of products on the market. This this is not the, the purpose of this discussion. But the point is that a, such a platform is giving you the opportunity and the possibility to simulate and create real-world environments in the virtual uh, uh, environment and it's giving you 
if if the platform is mature enough, it's giving you the possibility to inject real world scenarios, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you can do that in 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 terms of hours from a real world attack. So if you have the capabilities to understand and to, to take the data from a, uh, a very complex real world attack, we are discussing these days about solar winds and uh, uh, things like this. You know, if uh, you you have enough. Uh, uh, understanding in order to uh, import or inject the techniques, tactics, and uh, procedures uh, that you identify in a very complex attacks, or you have access to indicator of compromise coming from such a complex attacks or indicators of attack, you can take it, inject it into the platform, and train your people on the most, uh, let's say, on the latest ways of attacking uh, networks of attacking infrastructure. So I think this kind of, of trainings are uh, most valuable uh, in nowadays, I, I think. And uh, an, another another uh, valuable, uh, let's say, indicator of, uh, of the uh, validity of this kind of, of trainings is given by the fact that you can, uh, you as a trainer, as an evaluator, as a human resources, let's say, uh, assessor, you can see in real time what an, uh, a trainee can do, what the trainee is doing, how uh, uh, he is uh, solving problems, how quickly he is to solve problems, how quickly he is to, to learn new things and to find solutions and things like this. So it, it's the most, I think, the most valuable uh, mean uh, to, to add skills to people, to maintain skills, to develop skills. Uh, the problem that we have, and I, I don't have an, I, I have many ideas, but I don't have a clear recipient in, in solving it. It's how we find managers, mm. how we find cybersecurity leaders and the appropriate leaders in order to create those teams, to maintain those teams, to, to teams, to develop those teams, to align those teams to, with the business uh, goals and uh, to put security in business language, actually, yeah. because this is uh, sometimes missing from from many organizations. And I suppose that that's kind of the greater need, the balance between someone who's technically correct and, and knows the, the information, and then you've got the management and the people side, isn't it, to combine? Uh, and I guess anyone listening and, and, and kind of viewing would be very similar is that there's always been a struggle from, from the IT world through to the security of having that combination of skills. And as you said, the business sense and, and, and the, the change of mindset, I guess, uh, about what tools we use and, and, and on automation and, and technology and, and how we embed that with our teams uh, to kind of build out. So it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of hear that. And I guess, yeah, you know, is there the perfect answer? I guess not. Um, will there be, uh, you know, what the future looks like? Uh, who knows? You know, I think it's, knows, it, yeah. it, it's constantly developing, isn't it? And I think people are really thinking differently now uh, in the way of no longer is it a textbook, um, do a test at the end. It, it's more immersive. It's more direct. It's current. It's live and it's ongoing. Um, and I guess that's kind of where it needs to be. So I suppose kind of in summary, really, I guess I would, I mean, you know, that's a great insight from what you've seen and, and, and you're a big advocate about, you know, learning and developing people internally. And I think that's great from a leader. 
Um, if, if you're in an organization and you're, so for example, a SOC engineer or SOC analyst, and you're kind of looking for that next development move, what would your advice be to push for that next level to develop your own skills? Where, where would you go and what would you do? Uh, you're talking about my skills of my team's uh, members. Yeah, yeah, in, in general, yeah, in general. So, for example, your team, yeah. So, uh, uh, I, I see a clear path of learning skills for, uh, you, you mentioned SOC, you know. Uh, in a SOC, usually you need to have a couple of layers uh, uh, and this, uh, the descriptions of the skills, the needed skills are done by the, you know, the, the description of the kind of incidents that you can uh, you, you can deal with but also on the comp on the technical complexity that you have in your environment because there are tools and tools and tools and tools uh, not all of them are equal not all of them are providing you with the same capabilities uh, so uh, actually how you deal with the 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 the, the, the lack, lack of balance between some capabilities uh, it's uh, the answer. It's only uh, uh, in people skills. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned mentioned the automation as being uh, something uh, of uh, uh, of interest for the present and for the future. But it's also the present. Mm -hmm. uh, I have I, I'm actually using a lot of uh, uh, automation in my security operation center uh, uh, at the network detection level. At the endpoint detection and response, actually, I have a lot of, uh, uh, I have implemented lately uh, some uh, uh, self-response uh, capabilities and they are working very, very fine. Uh, they allow me to, to involve the team uh, only uh, in uh, uh, dealing with the alerts that uh, are not, uh, that are not noise that matters, that needs to be uh, investigated and uh, uh, look at in from, uh, from a, a most, let's say, comprehensive perspective. I, what I would add uh, uh, in a security operations center, I would add the uh, analytical capability uh, to understand what, what is happening, you know, to understand the fact, for example, to, to have a, a clear answer if what you uh, uh, have put in place in terms of technology and, and skills, it's, uh, uh, it's fit to, to the uh, level of risk you are dealing with. You know, this is actually uh, uh, led to the managers to decide in order to, you know, to, to, to assess and decide. But, you know, uh, there are plenty of potential biases here. Uh, uh, from many uh, from many reasons, and and I actually I'm working at this now uh, uh, in in the organization I work for uh, for a couple of months. Uh, we have established a process for reporting uh, on cybersecurity to the to the board, uh, and also in this reporting uh, we are including a, a monthly basis uh, analytical assessment of. Uh, what's happening in the wild, so which is the threat level uh, in the wild, and specifically to the financial systems where we are acting, uh, where we are standing, and why we are standing there, and how uh, we, we will, let's say, deal with it in the future, 
with what costs in terms of uh, investment, what we need to do in terms of adding skill to the team, what we need to do in order to, to put together the, for example, the IT infrastructure guys to work together better with the, uh, uh, the security team. But all of this uh, for a specific objectives. It is not a strategy. It's not, we are not writing down things like, you know, it sounds better. We need to digital transform our organization in that direction, that direction. I believe in those strategic uh, approaches, but I, uh, I think so that sometimes we need to stay with our feet on the ground better and to feed, to actually feed our stand with data. Yeah. Uh, with data coming from real life, from from what we are uh, <clears throat> capable of gathering by using our, let's say, technology and people environment that we are uh, mixing uh, within the security operations center. So getting, let's say, getting a better use of the data we are gathering, I think it's something that I, uh, I, see, uh, I see as a needed growth. Uh, on the other hand, incident response, uh, incident handler, incident response uh, guys and skills uh, are needed by the market. Uh, uh, I think this, this is this is the peak today. Uh, I'm I'm looking uh, uh, on different uh, uh, human resources uh, 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 websites, and I see. Uh, when I when I look at the job descriptions uh, required for a cybersecurity market, I see more and more incident responders, incident yeah. handlers, and I think this is the trend. Yeah, excellent. Okay, I mean, yeah, absolutely fantastic summary, uh, Edward. And it's really good to get kind of your insight, and, and you can see the passion uh, about how you uh, think differently, perhaps, to a lot of people. Uh, within the marketplace and that, that's good to kind of really hear um so so i'd like to say obviously thanks for your time today uh, it's really good i'm sure um when we have this podcast anyone listening wants to reach out i'm sure edward you'd be happy for to kind of connect any kind of questions to come over to yourself or vice versa uh, and kind of where of the market sits and, and no doubt uh, some people will will be very much in, in agreement others may not uh, and, and that's always good to come kind of always variety. <laughs> yeah, exactly um so appreciate that and uh, and thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Dean, for having me. No Have worries. a nice day. Thanks.